0: curious about I'm always curious about the people behind the people who are the people pulling the strings and I don't just mean that in a conspiracy way but in any way oftentimes the person who's up front uh, was placed there sometimes in a nefarious manner and oftentimes not what I do know is this is that no one does it alone and we tend to think of it that way but it's not true we often make judgments about those who are in the spotlight without knowing the whole truth one of our goals on this show is to help each of us to move away from the polarized thinking that and just sort of open up and seeing even that those that we disagree with are far more than one-dimensional. The best way I know to do that is to become genuinely curious about someone, who they are beyond what it is that they do. I'm your host, Doug Barron, and I'm here to help you Get curious, in fact, to take a big bite out of curiosity. To find out how you can hire me as a speaker or strategist for your organization, you can go to fullmontyleadership.com forward slash consulting or fullmontyleadership.com forward slash speaking. My guest today is a married man who has battled with the rare disease for many years. He's a father who prioritizes family over everything else. He's a best-selling author of Fire Them Now, The Seven Dig- the seven Lies Digital Marketers Sell. He's the founder of Go Big Media. He's been touted by Fox Business as a marketing guru. He's been called by ESPN a political guru. He's the man behind over 1,200 election victories, including hundreds of U.S. House uh, campaigns, dozens of U.S. Senate campaigns, and three... U.S. presidential victories, including, wait for it, George W. Bush and Donald Trump. Now, that last line may have, have brought a ton of judgments on your part. <laughs> Let me just say, stay curious, my friends. Stay curious, and help me welcome another episode of Curiosity Bites. Let's welcome I guess, Mr. Phil starts. Awesome
1: to be here. I'm ready to roll.
0: I am so excited <laughs> here, man. I, I'm so looking forward to this conversation. So I want to start with our question, which is, what do you find yourself most curious about at this point?
1: Ooh, uh, <laughs> that's a loaded question, Dove. But I would I'm say, sure. I would, I, I would come back and say, I have two real big curiosities right now. But so help me, would you rather hear personal or professional? Both. Ooh, okay. Well, we have time, so uh, (laughs) um, right now, uh, I have done seven years of deep, deep dive into my psychology, uh, improving who I am, digging into my subconscious, Uh, I've done, uh, I've worked with psychologists, Uh, I've done, you know, the the Tony Robbins kind of self-help stuff of the world. Um, I've worked with a shaman and a bunch of different people like that. And then this year I started doing psychedelic, uh, therapy, uh, psychological yep. therapy. And, um, <clears throat> I had this enormous breakthrough when I did it earlier this year. I did MDMA, uh, which is, you know, people, uh, if you don't know what that is, just street Google name
0: it. is ecstasy.
1: That's right. Um, And I I, I found a a black cloud that hovered over my life for 35 years, I'm 45 now. I pretty much identified in that six hour session where the root of all of my behaviors came from, where the uh, resentment of my relationships came from and why i acted the way i did in the black cloud of shame over it and i waited 35 years i did six years of, of deep thera- therapeutic sessions and in six hours of taking mdma i solved i didn't fix the problem i figured out the problem right. and then i have spent the last few months working through that um and really really uh processing what I got out of that and improving what I am and I'm about to go do it again in a couple of months uh, because I still feel like there are things I can work on I feel like I'm on a great probably the best place I've ever been and I also know there's another level that I can go to um, that will make me a better husband father leader um, and really I'm okay with that it's these I, I tell you this these are not this and I'm not putting this as uh, pat me on the back it is not easy to figure out how bad you are at something. And and I feel like the last 7 years all I've done is identify the bad things. And I always go, "Oh, damn it. I got to go work on this again or I got to go work on this thing or that thing or oh my god, I can't believe my wife feels this way because I acted this way." And then I had to, it's like you just have to start over so many times. Um, but I'm an entrepreneur, so i kind of a glutton for punishment, but what, here's what I know. I'm a glutton for short-term punishment. Long-term, I have an amazing life that I feel very blessed by, and that's because I've done a lot of hard work to solve the problem of how I am, not what other people are doing, but how I am. For long, for, so I'm going to rant on this one. Forever, I was the worst kind of narcissist of I was the narcissist that blamed everybody for everything. And I'm the one that was always right. It wasn't that I was the narcissist that I'm the greatest. No, I was the blaming narcissist. And uh, it it led me in some pretty dark places. And so um, I'm just trying to progress each day and get a little better at that. And obviously, I've, I feel like I've solved that problem because ultimately, there's no one to blame and for anything. It's all me. And I'll give you an example. People, um, we, we employ 25 to 30 people at a time. If people leave my company to go take another job, I used to get pissed. I used to scorched earth these people um, and burn bridges. Um, now, I give them a hug i tell them they're welcome back and i say i didn't meet whatever it is you needed it's on me if any i have all my employees are millennials and general Zers, right and and if i don't figure out how they function and serve them and they want to leave then that's on me 100 it's not on them they have a lot they have a they have every right to pursue the, the their life and their happiness and if they can't find it through what i'm providing And they should leave and so that's an example of how i've tried to look at this and change the dynamic
0: that's really interesting so um you know you you said that you spent the last 10 years working on yourself dealing with whatever was under there and and i and i do want to come back to that but i want to just stay with the the psychedelic intervention um, using MDMA. Is that, is that the only one you've used in, in the psychedelics? Yeah, I Over think I'm sil- going to
1: do uh, psilocybin in MDMA, um, a few months, which psilocybin
0: right. is mushrooms. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, so the, the interesting thing about it is, was that in any way on your horizon, you know, because it's, it's interesting, Tim Ferriss in his, uh, his book on, uh, what well, the name of the book was now um but it you know it was only really big people and all the people he'd met you know tribal mentors and, or whatever it is no it was the one before that but oh, okay. i can't remember what it was yeah. now yeah. but he, you know one of the things he talked about was that um he had never met a billionaire who hadn't done a psychedelic <laughs> you know and i think that that was a really great awakening for a lot of people because i think that People think of billionaires as being really sort of rigid thinking individuals. Yeah, right. And in fact, they're usually very expensive thinking people. They do think in a much bigger way. Uh, they tend to, uh, they, you know, psychologically, my background, but psychologically, they have some narcissistic tendencies. We all do to some degree we all anyway. Do. But, right, of course. But but they, they hone in on them a little bit more. Um, but there also comes a point where they go okay there's nothing else and that and oftentimes they'll go okay well what's next and it for them is often psychedelic so my question to you is was it even on your horizon because you know as the this republican strategist uh, yeah. with marketing right. it seems very outside of that box
1: <laughs> that's what yeah, i love no i i more. read and I, I was facing a very um monumental problem in my life about a year ago. I had spent two months trying to find um, a solution to it. Um, And I I live in a small town in Florida. And uh, I remember I reached out, if anybody knows, a friend of mine is Dr. Drew, Dr. Drew Pinsky of Loveline fame and teen mom (laughs) fame and all that stuff. And Drew is a good buddy of mine. And I reached out to him and I said, I want to find uh, some help in this particular field of what I'm struggling with. And I want to find the best. I live in this small town in Florida. I'm not going to find him here. What do you suggest? And he said, well, for what you're looking for, you actually need to be with somebody. You can't just Skype a session that doesn't work. And I felt like, my God, I found another roadblock. I thought I was doing one of the best and I could get the best and you know, that's how we are as entrepreneurs. And, um, so I was like, I don't know what to do. And then a friend of mine, Tucker Max, who's a um, uh, bestselling author and entrepreneur, Tucker wrote an article on psychedelics uh, about how he had done it. And Tucker's a, a buddy of mine. And so I reached mm-hmm. out to him and said, this spoke to me. I, I, I don't, this is a year ago. So I didn't even know about it until a year ago. And oh. I just said, this spoke to me. This is the, I want to, I want to try this. So that's where it kind of started and it led uh to to me going through the the process and um like I said it's it's just been it, it has changed my life. And, know, and by the way I want to say this. Uh I don't I didn't go do a psychedelic session and I woke up and said everything's fixed.
0: No.
1: <laughs> but I was able to dig down and figure out where all of the problems every I found the the one core attribute that drove every decision all the way back in lineage of my family yes and i could trace it all the way back could trace how it had come into about into my life trace how i, I had uh uh sort of taken that and taken on a life its own in a different way and i it, and, and it just went in haywire it, it hurt people i hurt people's lives i did all these things and i always knew it and deep in my subconscious, uh, dove, I had shame, and I carried that shame for so long. And and I, you know how this is when we hope people don't see our flaws and our weaknesses, but mm-hmm. they all they always see
0: them. Oh, do. Yeah. They
1: always see them. And so I was always like, I hope people don't see this, but my right. actions at, were an open book to it. And right. to then identify where it all came from gave me the strength to say now I know what I've gotta go work on and what I have to do to overcome this and so
0: I first of all I love that you were willing to be open to something else you know that was outside of your realm of you know normal right I think you know that because that's the that's the root of curiosity you know, it, it, people say, I'm very curious. And I go, tell me something you were curious about that you didn't know. And, and you know, it's a, it's a deer in the headlights response. And they go, what do you mean? And I go, did you inquire about anything where you knew nothing about it? Yeah. Usually there's a thread, right? You had no thread for that psychedelic path, none. Yeah. And it's suddenly you're like, okay, let's open that door up. And it, and it happened to me about uh 37 years ago um and and i was working with fell off the no no it's actually before that way before tell me tell me i'm here i was working with one of my teachers um and um he he was an indian uh as in from Mm -hmm. from india uh, yeah and i i walked up to him one day and i was in a bad mood and 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 he said uh we said what's going on and i said um oh uh, you know whatever it was uh all i remember was there was there was some uh some big crime somebody had done a murder and and it was it was not re- some wasn't somebody i knew but it was related to somebody i knew okay. so there was some sort of peripheral touch and being a sensitive guy i felt that you know uh, and and I, I carried all this negativity and judgment about this person who'd done this. Mm. And Patha ja, just looked at me and he smiled. And 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 he didn't say anything. And we carried on mm-hmm. spending the rest of the hour together. And we sat on, on, on the the little hill inside, outside of the university together. And, and at the end of it, he said, I have a new mantra for you. And I said, <laughs> okay. And every now and then he'd give me these mantras, but he would never tell me anything about them. Okay. The mantra. I said okay and, and he, when he told me immediately I wanted to know what it was and he was like no go away so the mantra was the murderer lives in me mm. and I'm like so like no he doesn't <laughs> no he doesn't because because I had started feeling all this judgment this murderer. Sure. and so I had to walk around this is always the deal with him I had to walk around for months going the murderer, the murderer lives in me and I'm like, no, he doesn't and watch my own resistance. Uh, right. Uh, right? And, and I couldn't accept that. <laughs> and the next meeting I came to him and he said, how are you doing with that? And he said, it, it's just not true. And he said, what if it is? Great <laughs> question. Great question. What if, what if question. it, is? What if it is? <laughs> I love that. What if it is? And I said, it's not. Because now, you know, the wall, the ego is there, it's not. And he said, become curious about how it could be. What don't you know about murderers? You've studied psychology, you understand this. And, and he says, you have pre-frames about, about, about murderers. Maybe they're wrong. Okay. And I began to look deeper into, so that's when I started studying cult psychology and started yeah. studying the psychology around murderers and all this kind of thing. And I became fascinated with it. And, yeah. I, and then I went the other side, which is, oh my God, I'm a freaking murderer waiting to happen. <laughs> right? So it gave me this perspective totally. that I had no idea of. And so I began to go, okay. So the next time I saw him and I walked up to him and and I smiled and he said, what are you smiling at? I said, the murderer lives in me. I just, I I got it. I owned it. And it was that it was only from the willingness of embracing, stepping into something that I could not agree with. And it's what, you know, it's the whole premise of this show. You know, as I told you about the the idea for this show came out of my work with a neo-Nazi you know, right, who became, right. who's become my very good friend, sure. um, because it's this willingness to get curious about the things that I absolutely sure. disagree with or have no idea about, and the fact that you were willing to have that curiosity about this is fascinating to me because I know a bit of your backstory, and I was going to come into it later, but we'll jump into it now, which is um, you were diagnosed, was it mm-hmm. seven years ago now? yeah 2012 but yeah. 2012, right? 2012 you were diagnosed with a with a, a very rare disease which you refuse to even google <laughs> correct <laughs> which is fantastic right uh, so talk about shut down i will not have any other information
1: right i, I out going to go this
0: guy who goes on a psychedelic journey to discover yeah. that's what i love that's why i wanted to have this conversation with you because yeah. that shows to me the willingness to travel across sure. your own horizon.
1: Yeah, I outsourced my disease to the doctors. Um, probably not the smartest thing you can do if, if you think about it. But um, you know, it's interesting. I'll even, yesterday was my eighth wedding anniversary. Um, and my wife and I were walking on the beach last night um, and she says, I don't feel like uh, we should be celebrating wedding anniversary. It should be a growth anniversary because we're not those people anymore and i went "Ooh, i like that because i'm not in a way there's a weird both of us my wife and i look and go it's almost like you feel embarrassed for who you were (laughs) years ago but that's the wrong way of looking at it it's just that initial instinct of like you're so different now like we're different we value each other differently and all those sorts of things and you know and i so you know seven eight years i really started suffering from the disease eight nine years ago and diagnosed it took up almost two years to find the diagnosis it's called uh, a it's an esophageal disease basically dove and to anybody listening when you eat food you swallow the food and the muscles in your esophagus contract the food all the way down into your stomach and mine don't contract in fact mine are my muscles and the nerves that guide those muscles are dead and they'll never work again and so for me when i eat any food whatsoever it lodges into my esophagus feels like you're choking um it's not a pleasant experience and so this disease was most likely uh occurred as a uh, eating foods that uh gave me an unhealthy gut which caused an autoimmune effect which attacked my esophagus and which killed it. Um, There's no definitive proof to that but I've worked with enough doctors to know that that's probably what happened and um, you know I've had 15 minor procedures on my esophagus. I've had three major surgeries. They basically shredded my esophagus so that food will go down uh, this a disease affects one out of a hundred thousand people. Most of those people in their seventies or eighties. I was in my thirties when diagnosed, um, and you know, even the doctors had said, you know, when you, you know, eight nine years ago, when you really started feeling this for the first time it probably had been going on for years before that you just didn't know it because you had 50 percent functionality or 40 percent functionality it just slowly deteriorated to zero and then it never will come back and so um yeah i uh, i the joke is i outsourced uh the first five years of the disease to my doctors i was going to the mayo clinic and in the united states that's probably the number one hospital um in in the country um and about three and a half years ago, I'm in their office after my third major surgery. And I said to the doctor, Hey, you know, doc, I I know this is an incurable disease. It affects one of a hundred thousand people and all that stuff. But like, what is a long-term prognosis for me? Like, what should I expect? And he's like, well, Philip, you know, you've had too many surgeries and there's no more surgeries. Like you're done. And at some point, um, there's just going to be too much damage in there. It's going to be too hard for you to eat. We're just going to have to remove your esophagus and you'll probably be on a feeding tube the rest of your life. And I was like, my eyes about popped out of my head. And I said, when is that going to happen? He said, nah, five, 10 years. And I was like, five, 10 years. What? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not, no, 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 I don't, I don't, no, 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 that can't happen. And he, you know, he looked at me and he laughed, not I mean, sort of condescendingly, but he wasn't, you know, doing it to be me. he said, Philip, your disease is what it is. Take your medication and the medication has long-term dementia effects. It also causes heart attacks long-term, uh, but it works in the short run. Take your medication. We'll see you in six months. He didn't say change your diet. He didn't say what caused this. Let's figure out how to preserve your esophagus. He said, the Mayo Clinic, the greatest, one of the great hospitals in the world, he basically said, take this medication that has horrible long term effects and we'll see you. And by the way, I don't harbor resentment against that doctor. He has to see 100 patients a day. What, is, what do I expect? What do you expect out there from your doctor? Do you really, really think they're looking out for you? They're not. And that's not an indictment on doctors, that's an indictment on how it works today. That guy's got to see 100 patients a day. I am no different than anybody else. And so I drove home in my car that day, and I just said, I don't accept this. So I didn't know what that meant. Uh, The first thing I had to do was Google the disease, right? So stupid. I'm so dumb. But, uh, and so I did. I got home and Googled and found out that there was like no, that fact, 20 years before some doctors had come out and said they thought stem cell therapy could be a cure one day. But this is like in the 90s, not... Mm. Anything, there's been nothing since then. Here's a great little uh, caveat. Rare diseases don't get research dollars for cures. They just don't because there's no money behind them. The, the money follows the big disease not out right. of the rare ones. Right. So I just said, all right, well, first of all, I gotta preserve my esophagus. What do I need to do? I need to get my health in order. Um, and then second, I can worry about the cure later. So I, after about six months, um, you've had uh, this guest on your podcast, uh, Dr. Stephen Gundry. He put out a book. The book spoke to me like nothing I'd ever read. It's basically anti lectins, an anti lectin diet for your food, uh, for your you know food source. And so I got on his diet. I've been on the diet almost three years now. I take no medications at this point, and I have an incurable disease. So all those bad medications are gone. And I have an incurable disease, I take no prescription medications. It's, uh, it's really cool. It, that, that feels so amazing to me to be able to say that.
0: And Did then the you second- brought up something that, yeah. You brought up something that I want people to pay attention to because it's, it's vital to regress this. So you're going to the Mayo Clinic with this disease <laughs> yeah. and they stick the label on this is the disease. And then here's the medication for the symptoms we will not look at cause right. and we will, and we can't look at we can't look at cure that's not an option and this wacky idea that this might be connected to your diet this woo woo out there idea um, from <laughs> is just outrageous but nonetheless the idea is put forward from a, a leading a cardio surgeon in the united states who's suddenly looking at other alternatives to cutting out people's pieces of people's hearts or doing heart transplant. right but actually looking at diet as an impact but your issue is not to do with heart but that you follow this diet as you said anti-lactin which for those people who don't know which is actually anti-inflammatory because the inflammation in the body is what <laughs> ages us that's rust in the body and you start following that and now the disease is not magically cured but no. you don't have to take the pro- the pills that would have had you wandering around the streets of florida in by the time you're 50 looking for your own <laughs> shoes